Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. If it's Thursday, it must be Denmark. Joining me from Kansas is William Costantini. Will, how are you? Great. We got uh, global warming in Kansas. 66 degrees today. How awesome is that? We love it. Summer. I don't know who's against global warming. I'm not. I'm not. I love it. And uh, from uh, McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Timmy, how are you? Hey, pumped up by the bumper music, man. I'm doing good. Biggie pop, man. Lust for life. And uh, from San Clemente, the pride of... uh, Groton, Connecticut, uh, Jeff Kenny, Jeffrey Kenny, known to him as, a, as he's known to his mother. Jeffrey, how are you? Good. I'm from Hartford, though, but that's close enough. Uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a swag on my part. Right? Well, it's a submarine place, so, you know. Yeah. But anyway, you're, uh, hey, you're not, you never struck me. I know a lot of submariners. You're no submariner, Kenny. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm not. Well, the beauty of Connecticut, it's so small that everyone lives right next door to each other anyhow. So. Hey, we're twice as big as Rhode Island. You could tell Joe Rutledge I said so. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Rhode Island fits inside of Camp Pendleton, for those of you that don't know. they got When they play football, they got to rent an end zone from Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, all right. Um, another general that will, uh, that will require another seven-year waiver uh, has been nominated to be the next Secretary of Defense. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Uh, Jeffrey? Yes. I think uh, that General Austin was picked because he's black and that uh, his his record is, you know, typical mediocre four-star general that we've had here since the 90s who uh, picked for exactly that reason, for their mediocrity and their lack of, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, type of intransigence that would cause the political people un- unease. So, uh, you know, he's he's only there because he's black. Now, he may, you know, be a great secretary of defense, and hopefully he is, but uh, pr- the Biden did not pick him because of his skill. He picked him because he, Probably because he knows him from the uh, you know from the old days, and because he is black. Tim, well, it, to to go over what what Jeff just said, the uh, the only other names mentioned were Michelle Fonroy and uh, and Jim Johnson, uh, senator from former senator from from Georgia. So it does it does appear that the Biden's kind of mimicking our Canadian our Canadian cousins by reserving certain. Positions for certain demographics, uh, basically on on gender and and uh, ethnic lines, and I find that disappointing. Uh, uh, Mr. Austin, or excuse me, General Austin's a four-star general, Army general, uh, CENTCOM commander. His reputations that I've been able to glean is he was somebody who was very reticent about talking to the to the press or anybody else for that matter, and uh, which is fine. That's 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 a that's a nice leadership style. But the one thing is about this discussion. Is that the 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 uh, 
um, Joe from Scranton, our our our, our nominative new punitive uh, president-elect, released an article in the, in the Atlantic this morning, telling everybody why he chose uh, uh, General Austin. And this one paragraph is kind of sums it all up. And the paragraph is, and the next Secretary of Defense will have to make sure that our armed forces reflect and promote the full diversity of our nation. Austin will bring to the job not only his personal experience but the stories of countless young people he has mentored, if confirmed, he will ensure that every member of the armed forces is treated with dignity and respect, including black, Latino, Asian American, Native American women, and LGBTQ service members. And that right there uh, kind of portends what's going to happen in the uh, defense, uh, with the Secretary of Defense office, and I find that very discouraging. I don't think that's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't like it. It's just part of the bad news. It just keeps, keeps flooding down. These days. Well, I mean, it is consistent, though, with uh, with what we've seen the DOD been, you know, been most uh, noted for here, not operational excellence, certainly, uh, but uh, a uh, an organization, you know, that's committed to social reform in the nation. So uh, at least we see consistency in all of that. Congratulations. That's on true. That. Uh, William, um, what say ye about General Austin? Yeah, I mean. Uh, of the three names that got floated, you know, Michelle Flournoy was a policy person uh, in the building during the Obama years. So she's right there, square in the middle of that Beltway consensus. Jay Johnson was the uh, counsel for uh, the SecDef in the early years of the Obama administration before he went to Homeland Security. So he's a black lawyer. Uh, you know, he knows the ins and outs of the building. And then there's Austin. Um, so if you're actually concerned with the defense of the nation, Austin is the least bad pick of the three. Um, I, I uh, it's it it's interesting that Biden's political people, I think, really jacked this one up. There's a whole lot of senators that came out against Mattis. They came out against Mattis because they didn't want to give Trump anything, but they said they came out against him because they weren't going to put in that waiver. Right. So you got 15 or 20 Democrats stuck there. Uh, then are the rest of the Democrats going to follow the lead of the people on the Senate Armed Services Committee to include uh, Jeff Senator Blumenthal? Right. Uh, so who wants to follow those guys? Uh, the Republicans are an interesting spot because while the Democrats can oppose Austin because it's a principal thing, we don't want to do another waiver. If the Republicans come out against them, it's going to be because they're a bunch of racists. Right. Um, and then, you know, when Biden puts that article in the Atlantic, he, he just cut off both of Austin's hands and his legs below the knees. He's given his future SecDef orders that your priority is making everyone in the country feel good. Uh, the second priority is going to be climate change. So if I'm sitting in General Austin's shoes, you know, he sits on four corporate boards, big boards, big Fortune 500 companies. So he's clearing a million plus a year for sitting on four boards. He's clearing 200 grand a year. Um, why do you want to go in and put yourself through this stupidity. Um, but of the three names that are floated, 
I think he's far and away the best if you actually are concerned with the defense of the nation. My broad mental reservation is with our general officers in general. Uh, no pun intended, in that I just don't see them as the people that we need as the visionaries for the DOD. I just think that, you know, you go back to, you know, go back to Vietnam. And since Vietnam, uh, they have largely written a, a track record that is filled with failure around the world. And that somehow or other, the United States of America cannot break the code on how to take uh, its raw economic power diplomatic power and military power and achieve its strategic ends. And I don't think somebody that comes out of that, that out of that, that out of that building is, is the answer. So my reservation is I, I don't think they're, I don't, I, I don't think that. And now, you know, now, now is this going to be the norm? Evidently. Well, right. I, have to say, Mac, I agree with you a hundred percent. And <laughs> let me just say this: the Nightingale. I love I him. I don't. I don't. Nightingale, just the Nightingale. But on the other hand, it's like this: it's that's not a priority for the people who've been running the government since Vietnam. They want these guys docile, and they don't really give a shit about the state of the military too much. And they don't see what you and me and other people might see as a problem as a problem. You know, they like these guys, you know, doing the old uh, great bearing thing and appropriate behavior and never getting out of the box. You know, they're basically they like Joe, the Joe Dunford guy. They like the, uh, you know, the other guys who have been up there who just wouldn't say shit if they had a mouthful. No matter how many, no matter how bad the war is going, how stupid the tactics are dictated from above. They just want to say it because, you know, uh, you know, this is that's just not done. Right. And they liked that when they, when they saw General Barrow make that uh, you know retired make that testimony about women in combat. I think everyone we're all like cheering inside, but they're all like, "Oh my God, we can't let another one of these guys get up there again." And they haven't. And this is just one more example. But are you are you you're talking about the chairman? You talk about so you talk about the chairman and the four star generals bleeding into the sector position. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, General Mass, a prime example. Right. Right, 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 right. Um, Tim, any? Uh, I, I want to go one more time around, and 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 Will kind of teased it, but what do you think is going to happen? But any amplifying thoughts on on? And I don't, you know what? I don't disagree with Will, although Michelle Flournoy supposedly, you know, her connections with, uh, you know. Uh, consulting companies and, and, and big military industry are one of the things that damned her. Well, if it damns her, doesn't it damn him? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 would, hello, it would seem to me. But uh, so, Timmy, any, any other thoughts on, on, on qualifications or, or this being done or anything? What? No, the, the, the only thing that's disturbing is I think that the, the President Trump made a very smart move when he banned the, uh, uh, the use of. Uh, of critical race theory training in the armed forces. It shouldn't, it's not appropriate for the armed forces. It's not something the armed forces should be concerning itself with, but uh, we're going to see more of it. Well, and get, we're hey, get ready, get see, ready for it. Yeah. We're going to continue to see more political, politicalization of the military. And the more we see this, the, 
the, the, the more despondent one could become if they weren't exposed to appropriate bumper music to pick them up at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. William, yeah. any other amplifying thoughts before we, before I ask? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a couple of things, sure. you know, to, to riff off Tim with this critical race theory. This could be interesting for Austin because uh, if he agrees with that stuff, then what he is agreeing to is that he's an affirmative action hire. So this yeah, could be right. a mix in the check moment. <laughs> Austin may pitch all that stuff out and say, hey, I earned my position. Everyone needs to earn their position. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could yeah, be interesting. Yeah. The second the second thing, I think Austin, you know, would be horrible for the Marine Corps. Um, Why? Any Why? former Army Chief of Staff, Army Four-Star General would be absolutely happy to watch the Marine Corps take ourselves down into oblivion. Having people manning missiles, shooting submarines, or something like that—they're more than happy to do that. And the odds that the commandant takes down force structure and thinks that he's going to get that money back to reinvest in the Marine Corps with an army-centric general as a sec def went from about three percent down to point oh 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 one. So. Not good for the Marine Corps. Hey, and, on on the upside, you know, on the upside, I have a question for you. Do you think yeah. you could like shoot rockets um, and subs from inside your sleeping bag? I mean, if you're looking at a digital display, do you have to get out of the bag to do it? I mean, <laughs> think about that. Other things have been actual conventional munitions have been shot from the sleeping bag, <laughs> so I think you could do things digitally as well. Uh, All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And, and the third thing, you know, to, to follow up what Jeff says, what I a complaint I had working in the front office there is that this idea of civilian control, if you go back and look at World War Two, there was absolutely civilian control of the military. But FDR had been around the Navy. Veterans were in and around political leadership. From that time till now, and they understood the relationship that you had to respect the uniforms to bring what they were supposed to bring. And, you know, George Marshall, Leahy, King, uh, Arnold, they brought those things in. uh, And I think that the senior political leadership expected them to uh, stand up to them at times and I think FDR changed his mind about some things. I think that civilian control is now interpreted as civilian, as military subservience. Yeah. And the idea that you make civilian leaders uncomfortable, uh, I think, is not nearly as prevalent, to say the least. And so, but isn't General that a, isn't Austin that, have been having been raised in that system in that same tradition? Right. Uh, is he going to give the president uh, a hard time if the president, you know, the president's got to make big decisions on budget? And it's it's only budget, and at some point, some of the debt's going to have to get paid. DOD's budget this year, I think, is going to go at like uh, seven hundred fifty billion dollars. So, you know, it's the biggest line item after you take away entitlements. It's it's the only place to get money. And at the same time, 
you're expanding the requirements because there's there's under the radar requirements that you don't see in a democratic administration. You know, we paid for AIDS in the DOD budget in the 90s. We're going to pay for all kinds of social things. I saw somebody today saying, well, I think it's great that we have someone like Austin be the sec def because he'll know how to deploy the Corona vaccine. So there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff packed into the defense budget and the defense budget will be zero sum. It ain't going up. So if that stuff gets packed in, defense has to get pulled out. And is Austin, if he's of this tradition that Jeff described, I agree with, is he going to be willing to fight and, and say, no, we got to defend the country? Well, if you've been raised for 40 years to not make your civilian leader uncomfortable, unlikely. And that may be a reason that Biden didn't pick Flournoy. Uh, although I don't agree with her worldview, uh, I think she would be big on the whole affirmative action side that we're talking about. But I also think that she would be a little bit wary of a lot more of those other social programs that eat up budget. Uh, and so that may be the reason he picked him right there, to have a subservient SEGDEF as opposed to um, – you know, what do they call the Lincoln cabinet? The, 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 the Lincoln the, cabinet? The, 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 uh, oh, the something competitive. Of, of rivals. The, yeah, uh, something yeah. of rivals. The, yeah, yeah, the, uh, you're, 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 the team of rivals. rivals. Team of rivals, it, right. Yeah, it's unlikely because Austin, Austin has never projected that I know of this maverick personality. So maybe that's the reason he's going to be he, that he's the pick. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Um, he's the, uh, he's the, 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 the ruler of the Queen's Navy, like Gilbert and Sullivan said. The, um, no, I, I, again, I just, you know, I don't know how we begin to produce people. Um, uh, and again, um, as our involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan wind down, you know, what did we get? What did we get for our time in Afghanistan? What did the nation get? You know, we we will see. But if 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 the river recedes back into its banks, as you all have predicted, that the Taliban will, at a minimum, control the countrysides, and the big warlords will control the city states. Then what did we get for all that time? And we were escorted, and we were chaperoned through all of that by the flag officers and general officers of the United States military, right? And the same thing in, in, in Iraq. What did what will we get? And that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I'm actually more optimistic about Iran now, um, about Iraq now, because of this, this, this forming coalition of Arab states, Israel, and the United States, and a European Union that's, that's pushed back on Iran as well. But the big question is, Will Joe Biden, if he ultimately becomes president, and it looks like he will, um, will he will he rescue them from this this fate that that is looming in front of them? And so, and and so, I part of me, right, part of me, like, still has hope that maybe something good comes out of Iraq. And then I watch this 
looming disaster, I'm like, you got to be shitting me, right? I mean, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hopeful. But again, my major reservation is the Pentagon has not. Let me tell you, when 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 Greg Newbold is the only guy who stands up and General Shinseki and says, "Hey, this is wrong," right? The SecDef ripping up the war plan and pulling one out of his ass. This is wrong. When they're the only guys that will say that, you have a culture problem. You have a culture problem among the people that wear stars, and that is they do not have the moral courage that they ask of the people that they send in harm's way. Right? They don't have that moral courage. And, and as a result, all these bad things fucking happen. Right? All these bad things fucking happen. So. Anyway. Can I can I follow up on something, Matt? You certainly can, Timothy. Okay, I don't know if you've heard of Operation Warp Speed, but the distribution of the new vaccine is a. Hey, hold on, hold on! Somebody's got a fucking speaker on. Yeah, not me, Jeff. No. Just what is it? No. Okay, because I'm hearing us come back into us, and the only way that happens is is a speaker. All right, go ahead, Tim. The uh, the DOD's on 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 the uh, uh, is in the plans for Operation Warp Speed to d- deliver the vaccines to the waiting public. That's that's one of the things that was also in that Al- Atlantic article. But I did want to point out something good has come out of Iraq, and that is the movie Mazul, which is on Netflix. It's the only thing on Netflix which is worth watching. It's an excellent, friggin' excellent movie. And uh, so I would tell say, you, hey, so created- the, the social dilemma is worth watching. Oh no! I watched it. I, I no, I did watch on Social Net- That's on Netflix. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't as fun as Mazul. Did, oh. did anybody get shot? No, hell no. Who cares about it? <laughs> but but but, but uh, that is one thing. Good thing that's 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 come come out of it. But if you think the Biden administration is gonna gonna follow up with uh, China and Iran and whatnot, I I don't see why you would think that. There's no indication at all that they hey, would. Hey, can't a motherfucker hope? Oh, hope is a hope. A man can hope. But hope's not a plan, bro. I think the Democrats got a plan. I know it's not a fucking plan, okay? I know that. I know. I know. I know. I'm trying anyway. to fucking hope. I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> okay, anybody else want to throw in before we go? Okay, second time around. What do you think's going to happen? And I think Will laid it out pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. If you oppose it, when you approve General Mattis, you're a racist. So will he be confirmed, Jeffrey? Uh, I think he'll be confirmed. It's going to be rough. And uh, there's going to be a lot of acrimony. I think uh, there's, uh, despite the the fact that it doesn't look good for the home team right now, there's like 14 states that lined up with Texas. Okay, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about that. I just I want to talk about Austin. I just want to talk about Austin. And this is part of talking about Austin. The, no, it's uh, not. The fact is... Yeah, it is. The fact is, there are representatives, especially people in the Senate, from those states and from other states, and even, like Will pointed out, from some Democrat states, are going to fight this thing. because And the guy's going to have to get up there and defend himself, and he may not be capable of that too well. So I think it's going to be ugly, and I hope that it is. And I hope every, <laughs> every guy that goes up there faces an ugly, horrible time, and none of them, none of them, you know, uh, go into their jobs with the confidence of the populace because they're they are the fruit of a fucking poison tree, Ooh. in my opinion. Ooh. That's rather Kipling esque, my friend. Um, yes. Okay, Tim, will he be confirmed? Uh, 
He'll be confirmed. I, I, I will disagree with Jeff. I don't think that the Republicans are going to make any big fuss about it. I think they'll just stand back and watch with amusement. The Democrats may try to make an issue out of this, but uh, the guy's got the um, uh, in, in today's political climate. The fact of the matter is, is you can't ignore the component of race, which is a damn shame. But that's just a fact. I don't think he's going to have any problems at all. William. Yeah, I don't I don't think that the hearings are going to be contentious. And I don't think that the vote, particularly on the Republican side, is because uh, there's a lot worse nominees already. The guy for uh, Health and Human Services oh, is yeah. a horrific oh, yeah. nominee. And we haven't yeah. seen you know, the, attorney, the attorney general, no matter who it is, is going to be a bloodbath. And so I got a feeling the Republicans will keep their powder dry. Uh, because they don't want to be completely obstructionist. Because when you get right down to it, they're pussies. But yeah, uh, they're good at I think if they're going to go to war, they're <laughs> going to go to war over health and human services, and uh, and whoever the attorney general is, because the Democrats have harmed themselves enough uh, with the Austin nomination. So I I think that if it goes all the way through, I, I think that he'll be confirmed. I think that the hearing room, no one is going to get uppity uh, in his face, you know, like they did for Kavanaugh or anything like that. Even from the Democrat side, people said they're just not going to vote for him because they don't want to be seen on TV, you know, persecuting uh, a Democratic nominee who happens to be black. So, yeah, I think he'll get confirmed if it gets to the point. You never know. It, it, it may not get there. But if it gets to the point where there's a hearing – and a vote, I think, will be confirmed. Right on the on the, on the chance that there is a hearing, um, yeah, I think it'll just be the theatrics of it. Uh, everybody will be deferential because of the optics, and uh, and he does. I mean, he is a four-star general. He was chief of staff of the army. He is CENTCOM. I mean, pretty good, pretty good credentials. So I don't, I, I don't, I think that people will may bloviate, but I think when push comes to shove. It ain't happening because they don't have that kind of moral courage, and you know it's all about it's all about getting reelected. And the only thing you would do is you would provide fodder for somebody to run against you. So I just don't see that happening. Let's talk about China. Um, <laughs> the um, you know, just I would tell you, stunning in my opinion, and 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 and, and we'll talk about this, but video of a. Of a, of a university professor um, in uh, doing this presentation, and he's a funny guy too. He's up there and he's busting balls, right? And he's talking yeah. a little. He's talking a little Chinese shit, and um, and but what he does, right? Is he takes you behind the curtain? His name is is Di Dongsheng of uh, Renmin University. In China, and um, so this dude's on stage, you know, talking about Chinese influence in America and how it happens, and this thing gets recorded, and then it winds up in the American on YouTube, and it's now been yanked down in China, um, and they're like hands in their pockets, like what? Nothing to see here. What are you talking about? In fact, I saw an official comment today that sometimes fools 
say foolish things, things they don't know anything about, blah, 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 blah. And that was an official Chinese statement relative to this, right? It is, it is absurd to think that the Chinese people would think that. La, 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 la. So, Jeffrey, did you see it? And what are your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I think that that quote you just said was about this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> specifically about me. But, uh, the, uh, but I have to tell you, the, 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 the vibe that guy gave off was he wasn't worried at all. And so it made me think that, that besides that venue, it's pretty commonplace for people to do that. Little graduation ceremonies, little talking to the grad students, little talking to the, uh, you know, the, the eggheads in the army. You know, there's guys doing that all over the place. But uh, this one got out. And I think that it's indicative of their attitude. This guy might be disappeared. You know, he might, he might become the, you know, the, the Tessio of uh, you know, China, he just all of a sudden ain't around anymore, and no one says his name. But uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the guy pops up, you know, in another week or so. I didn't know that about the uh, fools say foolish things because obviously, all kidding aside, that's that's the Chinese telling us, uh, you know, this guy, you know, we got a tank with a, in a parking lot for this guy <laughs> ready to run him over. You know? But uh, but 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 his, his attitude just bespoke to me of. Uh, complacency and and, the, and and it was like of a habit and the way that people were chuckling they weren't going ooh, putting their hands over their mouths going ooh, did you hear what he said nothing like that they were like yeah we heard this before haha <laughs> it's very funny yeah interesting tim did you see it i did i did see it and i was most disturbed because the audience seemed to be the audience seemed to be reacting as if they were a part of a country which is on the definite rise their arrogance and contempt for us was amazing, but but when that professor uh, said that Joe Biden had won the election, the audience erupted in laughter, which endeared them to me. I had to go watch uh, YouTube videos of Chinese cooking live dogs in order to get my hate back, you know. <laughs> so so the uh, so, so so the fact that the fact well, that hey, the, the, the is, other joke hey the other joke he makes is he talks about Hunter Biden. And he says, yeah. he says, you know, there's a lot of deals that got made, kind of alluding to Trump, the art of the deal. There's a lot of deals in there, and you know who helped him with his foundation, right? And then all this right. laughter. <laughs> so and and that pretty funny. That that that, funny that gets that gets me. They're funny. It's, it's funny, but the joke is on us. And, and, and oh, so, I think the joke might be on him because when his interrogators I, are beating the shit out of him, how funny is this? Bam! Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the audience, the people oh. he was talking to. They, 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 they laughed right on cue. It's they're they are they are acting as they used to describe the, uh, Americans in the '50s, the ugly Americans. You know, just total contempt for everybody else. But the problem is, is that is that Tucker Carlson picked up on it, and if you look on the news, you'll see people parroting Tucker Carlson's thing. You'll find an article from the Global Times: U.S. partisans struggle pitifully to use scholars' speech as smoking gun, where they where the China puts out their story of what this was, which was must to do about nothing because China, after all, has has always papered through all these differences and always reached accommodations with America. And that's going to become the mainstream narrative. Do you honestly think anybody else is going to be talking about this in a week? Cause this is as big as the Biden laptop, which is 
which has disappeared. I mean, it's, it's it may be relevant in the future. Who knows? But I don't think this gets anybody's attention but us and people like us. And and that's that's the that's the crime right there, bro. That's the um, problem. This is from the South China Morning Post. This is the headline: Professors claim. Professors claim China's friends, quote, at the top influence U.S. policy goes viral after Donald Trump and Fox News seize on it. Di Dengjiang's comments that Beijing could, quote, settle issues through people at the top are seized on by the president and his supporters. Renmin University academics says China's friends were mainly influential Wall Street investors. So anyway, William, uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so you know what the definition of a political gaffe is? No. It's when someone inadvertently just tells the truth. <laughs> and so so this guy inadvertently told the truth. He said, he says, we're seeing Biden elected, the traditional elite, the political elite, the establishment. They're very close to Wall Street. Yeah, it, I mean... I'm not sure what the guy said. He didn't lie about anything. He just told the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that the, the, the Beltway consensus tied with the Wall Street consensus is that the U.S. doing all the business with China is only good. And the fact that it hollowed out the country uh, and allowed us to indebt ourselves um, you know, the destruction of the manufacturing base in the country, that's irrelevant to the Beltway consensus and the Wall Street consensus. Those are just as, simple as is facts. The and this guy just stated some very simple facts that President Trump was the only one to push back against that. Uh, and obviously Trump is an idiot because he's the only one that pushed back against it. Well, everyone else thinks it's a great thing. Because none of those people are touched by it, right? If you're in Wall Street, you're in finance. You, you know, know, one, you know, one of the things is – I'm sorry. The, yeah. um, let me just um, – it, it, it's the irony of ironies, right? Wall Street, you know, this, you know, this bastion of I, – I would say, you know, um, of American conservative money and, and, and whatnot – um, Wall Street and the and the greed of Wall Street um, will deliver a rules based order to the Chinese if something doesn't change. Uh, John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, wrote uh, an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal this week uh, or last week, and it, the headline was "China is na is national security threat number one." And he he writes this: "I call its approach to economic espionage." Rob, replicate, and replace. China robs U.S. companies of their intellectual property, forces them to transfer it, replicates that technology, and then replaces U.S. firms in the global marketplace. That's, I, I think that's a very succinct way of, of, of reporting exactly yeah. what, the Chinese, what the Chinese do. And Wall Street is more than willing to deliver that shit to them with the help of right, the, the major tech companies because they want a piece of that shit too. I mean, we, I don't know. Will, I know I had Will on to talk about it. I don't think, right, he was, we, I don't think we were like the Mensa sisters yet. And so, um, but we talked about, 
something uh, at the time the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, and that was General Dunford, and we were talking about China and um, and the rules-based order and Google um, what it was, I think, a program called, you know, Dragon or something like that. And it was Google was going to help the Chinese either create their own Internet or do something else. And then I think it was the chairman said, hey, we're the good guys. They wouldn't help the DOD, you know, somehow or other work on an artificial intelligence product that was trying to refine targeting data through imagery or something like that. But they would help China. Will, do you remember that discussion? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was one of his talking points. And, you know, the idea, if anybody thinks that Wall Street is conservative in anything, they just haven't been paying attention for at least 20 years, uh, if more than that. Wall Street is about Wall Street. Are they monolithic, though? Uh, I, I don't know that they're monolithic, but I think that they are – I think that their political contributions are overwhelmingly Democrat because yes, I agree with that. Big, right. mm-hmm. big business loves big government. Small you know, business sure. hates yeah. big government. Right. Small That's business exactly is the right. foundation of the country. Hold it on. provides it's, more yeah, jobs. Yet the Republican big, yet the Republican Party would say they are the party of of, of business in the United States. And that what business you're describing Main Street. Wall Street yeah. is not business. Wall Street yeah. is finance. Got it. It's like business it's like Main Street business is small business, which which I, I don't know what the numbers are anymore, but small business is the job growth area in the country. Uh, and again, I'm, I might be a little dated, but that's where new jobs are generated is small business. And small yeah. business needs fair competition. Big business hates fair competition. Do you think Walmart had any reservations about the lockdowns? No. No, not <laughs> at Walmart, all. Target, no. Home Depot. They love, they love that stuff because it crushes small business and they're big enough to survive. So they're more than happy with more regulation, uh, you know, uh, all of the things that come with big government. Right. Yeah, it's like and yeah, it's like it's exactly right. It's like the Bible, Ecclesiastes says, "There's nothing new under the sun." I mean, this happened with Andrew Jackson and the and the United States Bank. I mean, same type of stuff, and he choked those bastards. And they hate, he's the most hated president, uh, at, you know, topically when he was actually alive, than any other president except Donald Trump, and for the same type of reason. He didn't play the game. He didn't play the yeah. Wall Street game. Yeah, yeah I mean, basically, yeah. this bank thing was something that was uh, the brainchild of this guy Hamilton, who everybody loved so much because it's stupid play. But uh, the <laughs> idea was, you know, the the, uh, the American people don't matter. You know, we'll tell them what to do. Right. Well, I, but again, I think when you go back to Radcliffe's comments, and then and, and then you 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 come to grips with a half a trillion dollars. Of America, a half a trillion dollars—that's five hundred billion of American, uh, of American research and development, and an, uh, American intellectual property leave the country every year to go to China, who then, who then replicates and replaces it around the world. And and he gives an example, and this is this—I thought this is great. The company's called Cineval, 
In 2018, a federal jury found the Chinese wind turbine manufacturer guilty of stealing trade secrets from American Superconductor. Penalties were imposed, but the damage was done. The theft resulted in the U.S. company losing more than $1 billion in shareholder value and cutting 700 jobs. Today, Cineval sells wind turbines worldwide as if it built a legitimate business through ingenuity and hard work rather than theft. And that's the system, right, that Wall Street wants to continue to embrace and have consistently embraced because they want to finance China because there's so much money to be made for their hedge funds. And, and, yeah. and if, if, if nobody stands in the way of this, we will deliver a rules-based order post-World War II to the Chinese who will then impose their will on a world that has totally fucked itself because it was tripping over itself to make a little bit extra money. And then, you know, if you won't hang together, you will surely hang separately, and then China will hang everybody. So Yeah. Hey, well, we hey you know what? His name was Donald Trump. And now we're going to let him go a glimmering based because it would be rude to bitch about uh, you know, the frauded election. Uh, he was what? doing that. I th- he was doing that. I find you rather Kipling S tonight, Jeffrey. I just want to Well, thanks. And you're going to copy something do worse. Exactly. <laughs> yes. We yes, actually then. had a Bible quote. I know. It's a cherry yeah, idea. Yeah, that was impressive. So far, impressive. you know, he's gone Andrew Jackson. He's gone. I mean, he is the Nightingale. But see, when you make him go first, he's original. Yes. Right? Oh. You're right. Yes. You're a genius, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I got an observation that, that something Will said triggered an observation. Ecclesiastics. In me. The Who the hell memorized Ecclesiastics? Come on, man. There's that was, nothing new under the sun. That was brilliant. Yes. That was he, nice. He also said. Uh, and ye shall be a young man under the age of uh, pubic hairs, and ye <laughs> shall not know whether to fight, fuck, or run a foot race. Amen. I'm pretty sure that's not in Ecclesiastics. Well, right? they, they edited it out because they're crudes. <laughs> but that, but that, that's what he meant to say. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Tim? I was just going to say, Will kind of uh, uh, tickled something in me, and that is, you know, in the last hundred years or so, we've become, we've changed from a nation of small farmers and shopkeepers into a nation of employees. And it was as small farmers, shopkeepers, the small businessmen that were the heart of the of the of the represent of the republic. I mean, that was that was how we had participation in the national life and whatnot. But but now we're a nation of employees, and I wonder if it's ever going to change. I mean, it's never going to change back, I don't believe, but there's some ramifications there, and I think that we're living through them, and, 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 it's, a, and it's not pleasant. I'd well, rather be a small-time employee. Let me, let, me, let me pour a little bit more de- you know, depressive thought onto this. Um, yeah, just let me, let me, let me just pour a little bit more of a witch's brew into this, this shit cocktail that we're talking about. Um, um, I think it was either this afternoon or it might've been this morning. Google announced that it would take down any content that dealt with election fraud. That was YouTube, I think. I, well, (sighs) Google's parent company, right? YouTube. Uh, yeah. YouTube parents company, right? Google. So, so you can watch Holocaust denier videos. You can watch right uh, election Russian election meddling videos. You can watch, you know, 
if you know where to go and how to find it, you can watch all kinds of horrific content on YouTube. And 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 so we are living in a world now where somebody is deciding in front of our fucking face what you can think and what you can publish and what you can do. And and I just find it really and, and doing it in front of God and everybody. And the other story that that happened tonight, you know, is you know Hunter Biden releases a statement saying that oh I'm actually being investigated. So all the reporting that the New York Post did was fucking legitimate. All the uh, all the crushing of that story was purely politically motivated. Yeah, and and right. and it it's playing out in front of God and everybody. And in my opinion, big tech just looks at us and says, hey, fuck you. If you don't like it, fucking lump it because we're running shit. That's exactly right. And I let me just tell you, I just find it – I find it mortifying, absolutely mortifying that this is where we are in this country and that, it, and that because big tech's in with the Democratic Party, yeah, we're all good with it. And you're just watching it going, this is as creepy a thing as I've ever – fucking scene in my life yeah so anyway jeff thoughts about that yeah i i i'm like um it's very upsetting because you know you look at do we have as was there much was there as much provocation to start what happened in 1775 (laughs) Uh, well if you read the declaration of independence which is my favorite political document they go for a couple pages of fuck you stuff with the King of England. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're there yet. Well, but it's different. It's yeah. like we have a phenomenon where, um, where we have uh, these, these couple, they got a, they got a deal in the nineties, you know, where they're not going to get uh, treated like any other publishing body. And that needs to go away. And when it does, that'll put a serious crimp on their power. But I don't know if there's appetite for that. Uh, for, certainly, there isn't with the Democrats, and I think a lot of Republicans, they're bought, man. They're either they're bought or they're intimidated. Like, like somebody said, uh, you know, they're going to keep their powder dry. That's all they ever do. That's we'll, all they ever do. We'll the guys, that. the Republicans, you know, that that's all they ever do is keep their powder dry. So the gun never goes off, and the injustices pile up, and that's where we're at now. That's just one of many appalling things that's happened. You know that you're that you're talking about. You, you, you pick your your horror story. Is it that you know we have a we have a Justice Department and a you know and their and their their arm the FBI just chooses to not investigate stuff that are crimes that threaten you know the Constitution of the nation or is it that we have these new huge technic companies that everybody super depends on that just they decide what we see and what we don't see and who gets to talk and who doesn't get to talk based on their beliefs which is and you know antithetical to the way the whole country was uh, was designed. So if there ever was a, a time of crisis, I think we're in it. Yeah, I, I, Timmy, your thoughts? Well, and and we still haven't even addressed the biggest crisis of all, which is the fact that we're undergoing repeated lockdowns for a, for a viral pandemic, which ninety nine point two percent of us are perfectly not threatened by. Um, it's absurd. This 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 to me this this continuation of this. It, it, I have to return to a to a favorite theme of mine, which is observable reality and the and a common narrative are are continuing to diverge. Now we're being forced to believe 
that this pandemic should be treated as if it were the plague or Ebola, when we know that, again, 99 point something percent of us have no problems with this with this particular virus. Nasty for some, but not for most. So on top of all this, all the insulting we're getting, because I guarantee you the King of England never did to the colonists what the friggin' uh, governor of California is doing to you and Jeff. They never took away that, those kind of things. But we're a complacent people. We're now a people of, uh, we're now a nation of employees and we just do what the hell we're told. And, and, and so, this is <laughs> the frustrations are spiraling for those of us who 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 don't go along with the narrative are spiraling to the point where what's reality i mean it's it is it it, it cannot go on the polarization seems to be nothing but 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 getting worse and it, I, I mean there's you will never in my entire life convince me that this election wasn't stolen i don't care what happens it doesn't I mean, matter you know, and so all of us are now dealing with, you'll never convince me that COVID-19 was a threat. You'll never convince me of that. And so a lot of us, millions of us, are feeling as if we're being arbitrarily uh, sanctioned uh, by elites who are clueless and will never admit when they're wrong and will not do what they're telling us to do. They refuse to do what they're telling us to do. It's, it's, it is it yeah, is a reason. No, you're getting, upset. you're getting, I'm you're getting. You, I need some bumper music. I need some bumper music. No, you're music. getting close <laughs> to you're get you're getting close to fuck you time, man. And and you're yeah, seeing I'm it. Telling. You're seeing it at an increasing rate around the nation between saying, "Hey, fuck you, man. I'm just not doing it." You know. Yeah, you're, and what you're, are we gonna do? And and what are we law-abiding citizens gonna do? Refuse to pay our taxes? Oh yeah, that will work out real well for you. Yeah. No, no, no. There's nothing we can do. It's what Will was saying a couple of weeks ago. There's nothing we can do. They're shoving it right in our face and saying, ha ha, try to do something about it. I don't know. But then I, you got, I, you I got county sheriffs out here who are refusing to uh, yeah. enforce this stuff. Yeah. Riverside, oh, yeah. there's always, Orange there's County. always good guys. Yeah, there's always good guys that are cropping up. But at, on the aggregate, we, we, us, us three and those like us, we're on the outs, bro. We're the insurgents. We're the, uh, the depl- I guess we're permanent deplorables now. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not part of with the COVID nineteen thing. I don't I'm want not, Timmy. I don't want to quarrel with you, but I think there's four of us. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, there is. In fact, there. I there don't want to pick a fight over something of too much substance, but I think it's four. Yeah, dude, I was on a roll, and I'm, <laughs> I, know, kind of lost it now. I, I was, I was, I was going somewhere. I was it was good too. <laughs> Sorry about that, William. <laughs> yeah, you know this is. Uh, we're, you can go back and find uh, in the last sixty years, people wrote novels about the future. But hold on, I just want to say, I just want to say something real quick, okay? When the three of us go really, really dark, and Will goes last, stand the fuck by because <laughs> he is the prince of dark. He is the prince. Got to talk about nineteen eighty four. He is the prince of darkness. Well, Go ahead. yeah, you you read the dystopian novels that people wrote about the future, about corporations taking over, uh, about yeah, yeah. people being stuck as sort of uh, robots in a machine, and you're you're just like, yeah, it could never happen. You're in the middle of it right now yeah. when Google tells YouTube that there will be no information about any dissent on the election. Uh, it's, it's a fundamental thing about the free flow of information. And 
you know, Google's corporate motto used to be like, don't do evil. Um, First, do no harm. I, yeah, I don't know that they do that. I don't know that they use that anymore, but that used to be their motto. Oh. And um, so here you are with with things that are so obviously wrong. And you've got, uh, uh, let's say Biden didn't win. You got at least 48, 49, 50, 51, 52 percent of the electorate to agree to that. So, and it's, it's not that if we don't hang together, we're all going to hang separately. We're going to hand, we're not even going to sell the rope to China. We're going to give it to them. And we're going to give these people the rope that they're going to use to hang us. And I, this has got to be the 50th time I've said it on the show. The, the one difference between all of those novels and any other country where people have been oppressed is the fact that there's 400 million firearms in private hands in this country right now. And that's a, a wild card that was never factored in. And so at what point do people just absolutely refuse? I, I think it's really hard to do um, because it's much too easy uh, for the government to take nominally law-abiding people and control you. Um, but at some point the line will be crossed. I don't know what it is, but you know, the rules that are being emanated out of governors, you know, the thing in California is just bizarro. Um, yeah. And it's funny today. I mean, I'll tell you a government story. So I got a letter last week cause I tested positive for COVID. It was from the County department of health and it says, please call us. So I got the letter, opened my mail and I called him. And I got a voicemail. The voicemail says, uh, we're really busy. Leave us your name and number. We'll call you back. So that was on Friday. So the woman finally called me back today. And she says, well, I need to ask you a bunch of questions about this. I said, so am I obligated? She says, no, it's completely voluntary. And I said, oh, interesting. You know, when COVID started, I wrote a letter to my congressional representative. I wrote a letter to my governor. Neither of them bothered to answer my letter, but I'm a good citizen. I responded immediately to a government inquiry and I asked her, you know, how's my privacy protected here? And she says, we're using this to gather data. Your name's not in the database. It's linked to this. The people using the data can't do that. So I, I, I just told her the story. And then I said to her at the end of it, I said, you know, this isn't your problem, but it would be nice if somebody up there would tell their superiors that the government should be as responsible, as responsive to the citizens as they expect the citizens to be responsive to the government. Amen. So a very tiny little pushback, which was probably just me wasting my hot air. But at some point, that pushback can turn into a nuclear weapon somewhere. And nothing good can come from this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're either going to give up our rights or there's going to be political violence in this country and neither of those are good. Um, 
Well, I have to ask Jeffrey first. Do you think – I don't s- – well, let me let me ask the question. That way you can't agree with me. Because I just said something. He said, <laughs> I agree with Mac. I'm like, shit, man. I let no, him I was lying. I didn't really <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the other thing about me. I, I fib sometimes. <laughs> the, um, so do you believe that the nation will correct itself, Jeff, or do you think – Something violent will precipitate some kind of, you know, broader debate in that the reason these things happen were because of the dominance of, of uh, you know, big technology shutting off people's, you know, I mean, because you cannot make a rational, if, if all this other shit is on YouTube. And, and any crazy shit you want to watch from Holocaust denial to election rigging to any other fucked up crazy thing. If all that's on, somehow or other, right, election um, videos that contest the election and, 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 and espouse that point of view have to be expunged from YouTube. There's, you cannot make a rational you know, case for that. And so do you think that we have the... Do you think that we will have the ability to self-reform, or does it take? Do you believe it'll take violence to do that? I think there's going to be paroxysms of violence, and I think they're going to be over a couple different things. This coronavirus thing, closing out people's businesses, and then some of the uh, law enforcement agencies not enforcing it, but some of them are, and uh, that will come to a head, and uh, particularly because you get people elected. And they're not trying to elect people in, in political leadership positions as much as they are trying to have district attorneys elected who will not prosecute certain crimes, you know, uh, property crimes. Right. And uh, they will not, they're doing away with cash bail. They're doing away with everything that, that uh, basically allows people to go about their lives without having to have a gun on them because the, uh, the law enforcement out there provides a carrot and stick that people respect, that is being systematically attacked. How absurd, how absurd is that? And, They're creating a system which is going yeah. to require you to have a weapon on you. Yeah, and then they're going to try and prevent you from having to right. prohibit you from having that weapon. Right. And I, I don't know what they think is going to happen, but it's not going to be good. And so, like, the guy in Philly is one of these people. The girl in Chicago is one of these people. The guy who just got elected in Los Angeles is one of these people, backed up by... You know, a foreign dude who's got a shitload of money who just thinks that we'd all be better with one big world controlled by, I guess, the U.N. or him or something. Whoever knows. But, you know, that's what it, there's that. Then there's the stuff that's going on regarding the election and the things that are going on with the coronavirus where you got a class of people who are running things and they're making these uh, they're making these rules and they tell you it's based on science. But then the CDC in D.C. and down in Georgia says, no, that's not right. You know, there's no reason to do this. That's not following science. They just ignore them. Right. I mean, so basically, you go to you go to Walmart and you can buy a bottle of uh, cheap wine, thank God, but you can't go two two things. You know, in Michigan, you can't go two uh, you know two rows over and buy a coffee table, and it's insanity. It's based on the whims of uh, you know uh, of some politician, and the very fact that the only place that can stand to be open is a place like Walmart. And these big things, and Jeff Bezos, the guy who's you know who's pumping out the who's mailing people stuff, you know, you know, uh, you know on Amazon, that guy is they're deliberately destroying, you know, the uh, the 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 
freedoms of uh, ordinary Americans to make us kowtow. And it's becoming clear, and it's being said. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to lead to a lot of strife that's going to hopefully be, be uh, you know, amended in the next election in 2022. But how do we know that just won't be frauded like this one? We don't. We don't. All right, let me let, let me let Timmy jump. Timmy, um, how does it, how does this evolve? I, I I don't believe we'll see any major change in trajectory of the uh, of the DOD or the American government until we uh, we get a significant uh, setback, military setback, and I mean significant. And 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 then and then where are you going to find your Halseys? Where are you going to find your Michners? Where are you going to find your Pattons? That, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're out there. Who the hell knows? But I don't think anything changes until we have a, a gigantic disruption. Because how else is it going to change? It's it's I I don't I don't see it, and it it's it is disturbing for all the reasons okay, that you just, Jeffrey just you, articulated. You just talked about the DOD. How about all these other social issues? Do you think that? We, we will have vi- violence in this country or oh absolutely there's a lot of people absolutely. there's a lot of people that have written that this whole progressive thing will do exactly what the campaign did which is send the nation further to the right and that in the in the 2022 election that both the house and the senate will move you know toward to, into republican hands and then you'll see the pendulum swing back which is you know kind of the way it works um do you think there'll be violence in, 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 you know, out of frustration or do you think that, what is your thoughts about all that? I I don't know because, because the the violence you're talking about would be coming from, from the right, from people like us. And, and, and we are not prone to violence, even when being infringed upon like the Bundy ranch up in Oregon, that guy was totally in the right. But even though they had a bunch of people out there protesting or whatnot, I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of of, of armed conflict other than one off stuff right. such as a Antifa going in the wrong neighborhood or, or things like that. And that's all that's that's horrible because it's fraught with risk. I'll tell you this, that 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 couple in St. Louis, that lawyer couple was out there with the with the pink polo shirt and the AK and the pistol. <laughs> the, any, anybody that knows anything about guns could have walked up and taken that rifle from that guy and beat him to death with it. He was a million years away from pulling the trigger. If he even had a round in the chamber, you could see by the way he was holding it. You could have walked up, holding your hands up, walked right up to him, say, hey, man, don't shoot me. We're just here to talk. Control the muzzle, control the gun. Next thing you know, the guy's getting beat to death with it. And you're going to see crap like this happen because, unfortunately, there's a, in, a, in the major cities, we still have a lack of, of policing because police is bad and everything's racist. And that just breaks my heart. Yeah, I think you're referring to the M6, the version of the AR-15 that he was holding. Yes? Yeah, yeah, it was like Bushmaster, I think yeah, is what it was. Right, right, that's right, what right. I carried. That's what and I had she, in the She's holding a pistol like it's yeah. one of those cigarette lighter pistols. Right, right. right. She doesn't really mean business with that. Yeah, yeah. No, th- those, I agree those with two you. were not about to shoot anybody. That's and, and a little not. bit awkward. And he's standing right. there in his bare feet, in his khakis, um, and his pink polo shirt. Nice, nice picture, William. Uh, your thoughts? Does it? Do we evolve peacefully? Do you do you believe there'll be violence? Well, you know, the Stockdale paradox comes to mind, doesn't Ooh. it? Ooh. Don't confuse your ultimate optimism with with the reality that you're in. But I'm not. I have a hard time with any 
ultimate optimism. You know, and, and people say, oh, you know, this election, there's going to be a, a blowback in 2022. Says who? Look, 2016 was such a bizarre fluke. You had to have a psychopath like Trump against maybe one of the worst candidates in history for him to squeak that one through. And so I think 2020 is much more uh, the narrative that's going to happen. And now you're going to have people in control, Department of Justice, and we've just trained a bunch of governors on how to steal an election and get away with it, that you actually don't have to worry too much about hiding it. You just got to get the result you want and then deny everything. So why people think that there's going to be a, a significant uh, uh, correction. And then the second thing. Wait, I say that know, because Evan, because the Evan country, faith, other, than, other than the president, other than the president, the country moved right. And you don't think the Democrats learned from that? Oh, good point. They, they got to steal better than they stole. Got it. You okay. can't just steal right. the top. You got to so steal down ticket. We got it. And right. then, we gotta, and then, we got we got to thieve it. You're going to have faith. You're going to have faith that the Republican Party is going to go to war to do something for you. There you go. There it is. I mean, you know, you think about the great Republicans, Reagan. The party was not a the party. The big party was not enamored of Reagan. The party was not enamored of Trump. That's right. Uh, That party, uh, you know, the only radical that that party ever embraced was Lincoln. And he really had to work hard to get it. So that party is not concerned with you as an individual. Now, there'll be people in the Freedom Caucus who got a bad name, you know, the Tea Party movement, and and go back and think of what the Tea Party was. Every single one of the founding fathers would have been a card-carrying member of the Tea Party. But they were radical, wacko nutcases as far as the the narrative is. And Mm -hmm. so when you control all that narrative, all the media, all the things that are considered respectable. How is any Republican going to be able to put a commercial on YouTube in 2022 or Facebook? Because everything that they're going to be for is going to be outlawed. Or, so, or the algorithm will be such it'll be off ramp and nobody will see it. Which yeah, is so much, this idea more, right. that that this wackiness that's unfolding in front of our eyes the the onset of the Biden administration. And we can't even imagine the stupidity that's going to come out of that, that that is going to get lead to some backlash. I think again, you know, Stockdale, you know, don't confuse your ultimate, you know, you're going to, you're going to prevail with what your reality is today. I just, I can't see the ultimate prevail. Uh, And, do I think it's going to be widespread violence? I, I, I don't necessarily, but there's. I think there's going to be a lot of hot spots out there um, because people look. When you lose everything you've built your life up to, and it's taken away from you, 
and it's obviously taken away from you illegally, immorally, at what point do people say enough? And you see some bar owners and restaurant owners and gym owners are opening up and getting dragged off by the police and things like that. At what point does that guy, and it won't happen in California, you guys aren't well enough armed, but out here in the great Midwest, Texas, et cetera, at what point do those people Flick off absolutely head. not? Right. And how many of them are there going to well, be? Well, let me tell you, I mean, um, you know, but for, you know, entering through, attempting to enter through a wrong uh, interest at a baseball diamond, you'd have had between 30 and 40, you know, uh, congressmen dead at a, at a baseball practice. And so, yeah. I mean, and that guy, so ampl- multiply that across the country. And so, you know, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about saying this, but I, I, I believe that you're going to see violence in this country. And it's going to be people that, as Will said, they have lost everything, right? And and they're they're you know they're bent to kill themselves, but they're going to make a statement before they do it, because my whole life has been destroyed, you know my family's you know been destroyed, I, my 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 relationship with my wife is destroyed, you know whatever the whatever the narrative is of this person's life. You know, and they they blame the government for it, and you know, probably truth be told, well, they should. And yeah. th- those people, you know, aren't gonna like that dude. And that dude who did that, he was from Illinois. He was a liberal, right? And he was pissed. And he was pissed. And he was pissed. Got in his car, right, driving around like Arlington or wherever the hell the practice was for a couple days. And then, uh, again, but for the grace of God, he goes in the wrong entrance, and they're able to, you know, mitigate. And then ultimately get him killed. But I, I, I believe that's going to happen. And uh, but I, I would say this: that event when Steve Scalise got shot, and oh, uh, you know, and and, and the much discussion, our national narrative, that didn't change shit. Nope. No. The that, narrative got denied. Right. The yeah. narrative was that it wasn't political violence. Right. My right. ass. Right. And so. So is it going to? They shot all those guys. It is, they said that. Right? Is it going to take forty? Is it going to take forty caskets in the rotunda of the Capitol to to have somebody say, you know, hey, just because you won, right? Stifling free speech, right? Not following the rule of law, right? Probably not a good thing to do in this country. Is that what it's going to take? And I, I, I think sadly, you know, to, and I'll draw the analogy to what Tim said. You know, and, and we know through history, why did the German military get reformed? Because they lost their country. That's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so historically, you don't reform. So we will continue to be the shit show we are as, uh, as the American military when we could be much better, you know, because all these other things are more important. And we never talk about operational excellence, but we do talk about social justice and, and, and equality and all the other stuff. Ad nauseum. And so to me, is there any reason to believe that the same thing won't happen in the country? And I, I don't believe it. And I think there's going to be people that continue to lose everything and their anger will be rightly directed at the people that took it from them, 
because in in the postmortem they're going to see 99 point whatever survival rate yet I lost everything I had and those guys kept going out to dinner they flew to Texas for their for their daughter's wedding right they jetted off to this they did that it didn't fucking apply to them and they made their full paycheck the whole fucking time well fuck those guys right. so I don't you know what you know Mac what you might see is like I go back I think about Iraq you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, seven. that, uh, you know, um, you might have the government not being able to trust their law enforcement. Like, for instance, um, you know, a lot of these police departments are being treated like shit. They're almost an open revolt. That's stupid for the Democrats to be doing that. But it might turn out that they decide to, to have their own militia, you know, like their own police department, air quotes, and that uh, they send them down to those uh, recalcitrant counties. You know, I'm talking, you know, anywhere, this could happen anywhere in the United States. And now you have, you know, a bunch of inner city guys who would never usually qualify to be cops. But now they are. They got a badge. You know, they got, uh, they got, a, they got a legal gun. And now they're going to come down and tell people in the outlying counties from the big cities where they range. Yeah, but, but Jeff, I, I, I will extend your example. They will do what the Iraqis did, which is all you got to do is pay and we'll leave you the fuck alone. Yeah, but I don't know if that would work. I don't know if they got enough money. I don't know if they're that smart. I think, oh, like trust you said, me, there's going to be violence. If they're going to hire... It's going to be violence, man. It's going to be... I just don't know. I Like you guys said, I just don't know how it's going to take shape. I, you can see little glimmers of how it could, but you know what's going to be the shape of this thing? I mean, look, I mean, they shooting at Mount Sumter or at Fort Sumter? Probably not, you know. But uh, something. Oh. All right. Uh, how about what are you reading? All right, William, what are you reading? So uh, I read a book this week called Ready Player Two. It's a sequel to a book called Ready Player One. It's I don't know, probably eight or ten years old now. They made a movie out of it. So Ready Player One was set in 2030, and the internet has become this huge virtual reality thing. And uh, it's an interesting sort of take, uh, Ready Player One, just on on what the internet was going to evolve to, what society was going to evolve to. So I read uh, Ready Player Two, uh, which is like the second iteration. Instead of virtual reality, it becomes artificial intelligence. And... It's it's not nearly as good as Ready Player One. The guy basically works in every wacky left-wing thing you could uh, into the future. So if you were a fan of Ready Player One and you read it, don't bother reading Ready Player Two. And so I read that, and now a book I'm reading now is uh, – it's actually a great book. It's called Horses Don't Fly. And I want to get the author. The author is Frederick – Libby. So it's one of these lost manuscripts. The guy grew up in Eastern Colorado, 1890s, early 1900s, and he was a cowboy. And he ends up in Alberta, I think, uh, when the First World War breaks out. So he's an American, enlists in the Canadian Armed Forces, and ends up a fighter ace in uh, France fighting for the, for the Canadian armed forces wins a military cross. So I haven't gotten to the point where he's gotten into the military yet. He's still a cowboy, but it's a, it's a straight up. Here's what happened in my life. 
And I think it was, I, I don't know when it was published. I'll have to pull it up. But I think it's one of those things that grandpa locked in the trunk and someone found it recently and put it together and published it. Horses, let me reread, let me just double check. Got to put my glasses on, sorry. Horses Don't Fly, Frederick Libby, a memoir of World War One. Just a really, just, just him talking about growing up uh, on a ranch and being a cowboy, you know, in 1905 has been a really interesting story so far, and it's only going to get better. So a really good book. Timothy, what are you reading? Okay, I, I finished my book from last week, The Last Stands, and Michael Walsh's father was, in fact, lieutenant in 2-5. The last chapter isn't about the Fox Hill. It's about the uh, the whole Inchon Reservoir thing. His father was an 81's platoon commander who and and the last chapter is cool because it's his father this hold be, on hold on you a, said you said the inchon reservoir oh god damn it i'm sorry i don't mean Excuse to be that me. guy but i mean there's people no, listening no, that you're confusing no no i'm i'm getting yeah i'm getting i'm getting all confused at any rate the uh, uh the, the lieutenant walsh um uh, you'll be surprised to know uh that michael walsh never heard his father talk about world about the korea war until he would until 2019 when he flat out asked him after he had heard his father talking to his grandchildren and describing to which I thought was kind of interesting. Another thing that was interesting was that his father um, on the on the series of attacks in December. So they're two five. They're all the way up on on uh, on the at the top of the uh, of the Chozon Reservoir there. As the NVA were attacking them the first night, they came northwest and east. The second night, they shifted just north and east. And he shifted his 81s a click and a half to the east to get better support to the to the battalion and got hit by 105s because he never told anybody he moved. That's, that, those are two lessons that come out that, uh, that, that instantly, the first thing I hear of is Mac and his skip the go naked talk. But, uh, but I finished that, and it was excellent. It was excellent. And I've, uh, I've hey Timmy, up another... tell everybody about the skip and go naked talk. What happens when you oh, skip? A... What I, happens I... when you decide to skip and go naked? Well, well, Mac had several different variations of the skip and no, go naked talk, but the most colorful one was normally given in the middle of the patrolling exercise when the when the when the, when the, when the lieutenants had done something that made very little sense at the time and have gotten themselves lost or something, and that's when Mac would start to go in and when you skip and go naked, how the hell are you going to? Uh, it's it's basically a, a, a soliloquy on military coordination of indirect fire support assets and maneuver elements. But it was because uh, classic. That will get you dead. Dead as fried. get you dead. Dead as fried and, chicken. And, and they got hit fifty meters in front of them before they called back and told them that they were there. Yeah, all but that. Was, hey, it, all that bullshit maneuver warfare initiative on the battlefield. Yeah, go ahead and try that shit. Don't court. And and it really, yeah. what what my point was. I coined this phrase that I originated called coordinated initiative. I said, that's what a professional does. If you decide that you have to use your initiative and deviate from the plan, you have to coordinate that shit or you will get yourself dead. That's just the way it works. And it was, it was, it was because, and I think what we did um, in the early 90s was, we sought to have a more mature understanding of what maneuver warfare really was, given the complexity and the lethality of modern battlefields. Um, and so we had to turn those into practical lessons. What does that mean? Hey, boys, yep. 
I know that you think you're going to conduct a uncoordinated flanking attack, but I just put I snuck a live round in the, in the middle of somebody's blanks. So good luck. What? <laughs> what do you say? Nobody. Hey, nobody's fucking even moving, right? But a bit of jam. But a bit of jam. Bop, 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 bop. Wait a minute. What happened to the uncoordinated flanking attack that always breaks out? I ain't going anywhere, man. There's a live round in somebody's shit. That's all you would have to do. That's all you yeah. had to do. And so it was trying to get them to understand that this coordinated initiative idea, that's how grown-ups have to do it, or you will get somebody's ass dead. So Exactly. Exactly. And, and the move was a good move, too, tactically, which might have saved his <laughs> ass. But it, it was it was interesting. But I, I'm done with that, and I've, and I've picked up another brand-new book that just been released that's pissing me off. It's called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turn a Pandemic into a Catastrophe by Three Academics. One's a microbiologist, the other one's a statistician, all PhDs. And this, but they write well. And they're writing in, in a as it's in their chapter in verse about how this thing has been blown all out of proportion. And uh it's it, as you read this stuff, it's 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 infuriating. I don't know. I should start reading something else. I'm telling yes, you. You should. I'm, I'm realizing. I'm realizing. I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. But right. it's a but it's an interesting book, and it it just verifies everything I, I thought anyway, which is my favorite kind of book. Pick up so the Jim Bra- the Jim Brown story or something pleasant like that. Hey Jim Brown. Hey Jim Brown was a made 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 a varsity lacrosse team, and he never no. even played lacrosse until no, he showed imagine. up at Cornell. I know, but yeah, I mean, could, could you imagine? Um, at Syracuse, was it? Did he go to Syracuse? Syracuse. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Syracuse. You was. It was Syracuse. Are you, are, you yeah. te- are you testing us? I mean, look, I used to watch Jeopardy all the time, so I know shit like this. Oh, dude, I'm a Jeopardy champion. I have a theory that you could get any liberal arts degree, never go to class, if you watch Jeopardy at least twice a day, right? And so, and I, I believe that. I believe that, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, what are you reading? Well, uh, if you remember weeks ago. Uh, Will was reading Gilbert's book about the Holocaust. And yeah. so I thought, I'm going to pick this up because I'm interested in that stuff. That book is so comprehensive and so depressing. Uh, <laughs> I, had to, I, I, just, I determined I would reread the book by Leon Uris, who wrote Battle Cry, called Mila 18, which is about the Warsaw Ghetto that I read when I was in high school. And, you, and so, so you did that because you but, thought that would be an uplifting story relative yes, to yes, <laughs> yes. So I Nobody's I actually that. framed the Warsaw Ghetto like that in history, just so you know. Anyway, actually, there's been a couple books like that. But anyway, the uh, so I got into reading the, the Toll book, and at the same time I got a, a line in this book, uh, Blood and Thunder, by uh, Hampton Sides, who wrote, uh, the book about Korea that we like, uh, you know, the uh, on desperate ground. ground. So yeah. I got distracted. Well, this weekend, last weekend, actually, I just read. I read the whole Mila Eighteen. It's a great book. It's jazzed up, you know, because it's a fiction with fictional characters and stuff. But it's pretty faithful, like dates and everything. So what struck me was uh, the Jews resisted in late January of 1943. They realized uh, they had proof that actually was smuggled out through the Warsaw ghetto into Czechoslovakia with pictures of the gas chambers and stuff like that and made its way to England. And so there was proof that this stuff was going on. And uh, so they knew it, and they, they, but they, they couldn't really decide how to resist. They had like a shitload of weapons, but like uh, when I say shitload, I'm talking like 140. Because by that time, the Warsaw ghetto, which was almost a half million people at one point, then was down to like 70,000 people left. 
And that's a small area in Poland. They're jammed in, surrounded by a wall with busted glass, you know, cemented to the top of it. But they, a couple guys attacked the Nazis who were doing a roundup and, uh, and threw them out of the ghetto in, the, in late January. And so all through March, February, March, the Nazis didn't really mess with them. And they came marching in, marching in with their daggers drawn, these SS guys, on Hitler's birthday, April 20th. Uh, 1943. Wait a and they, they went marching in? They came marching in. They had a band because people, Pol, Pol, Warsaw is a pretty crowded place anyway. So people are looking, watching these people march down the streets from, uh, you know, through through Warsaw, which is, you know, occupied city, obviously, mm-hmm. and then into the gates of the uh, the ghetto. They got about a couple hundred meters in, the, uh, and the Jews had made. This Mongo IED, they set off underneath the first formation. Right. They killed about eight to ten uh, Nazis. Then they opened fire on them. And they had like a – this guy would have a – he'd have a thirty two caliber pistol and uh, he'd have like six rounds. <laughs> and, then, and that was his thing. Then he would save the round. Right. And if he lived, he would save them and they'd reload. You know, put, they'd make bullets. They, the Mila is uh, the streets. Mila 17, Mila 18. And yeah, underneath it, they had hollowed out bunkers. Through the uh, since 1939, where they 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 made fake passports, they made pipe bombs, they made Molotov cocktails with uh, you know like explosive charges attached to them, where you know and they were pretty effective. And they held the Nazis off for about 60 days, and finally the Nazis called in uh, Stukas and bombed Warsaw. This is in the like late spring of 1943. It took them that long to, to get rid of the Jews. And some of them managed to squeeze out and through the uh, sewer system and actually make it to uh, to partisans that were fighting in eastern uh, Poland. So, uh, but uh, it was pretty. De- even that that story was depressing enough, but it still made the book that Will recommended and I read. <laughs> it made it easier to to take because these guys actually fought back, you know, and uh, and that was something that you know you mentioned it before talking to Von Krevel. You know, the shame of uh, right. the Jews. Right. But these guys, they were like, and I'll tell you what, man, a lot of things that you see jumping out of windows, uh, you know, with a grenade in each hand onto like a, a German half track, you know, and uh, really suicidal type stuff. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's very interesting. But it ended up and it ended up that uh, some of these guys were in the Warsaw Ghetto, a handful, actually eventually made to Israel. As a matter of fact, Leon Uris, when he wrote that, he wrote the book Exodus, which is a kind of like a an epic type thing about the founding of Israel. He came across all he did all these interviews, and it was grist for at least three more of his books. The first one extra being Mila eighteen about this, you know, about uh, people he he uh, he interviewed who actually got out of Auschwitz after the war, or that they came. You know, he got in touch with them through Israel because, uh, and they were you know they they tell him these stories about what happened. The other story he wrote was. Uh, book uh, QB7, which is a Queen's Bench number seven. It's a trial, a libel trial about a guy who was a Jewish fellow who was writing books about World War II, and he, he wrote about a Polish doctor working for the Nazis, and this guy had a respectable practice in England and decided to sue him. And so eventually the, all the, you know, it's really even-handed because this, this guy was, you know, under the, under, under the gun of the Nazis, and uh, so, you know, these three books by Leon Uris about the Holocaust, uh, he's a, uh, you know, you guys read and you saw the movie, uh, you know, Battle Cry. He's really a flag-waving type guy. And he, wave, you know, he waves the Israel flag 
but I'm kind of a pro-Israel guy myself. So, uh, but Mila 18 was the most uh, hopelessly heroic you know, book yeah. about that that I read. And so, again, it kind of put a little bit of uh, sugar in the bitter coffee of uh, of the Holocaust book by Gilbert. You know, no, you know, I, I as a kid, my mom read. She didn't read Battle Cry, but she read Mila 18, Exodus, and QB7. Right. I, I remember all those books in our in our in her bookshelf, and I remember. Good, good God, man! Those are really thick books, and they don't have any pictures in them, man. How do you, how do you read those things? I, I, I actually bought um, a book that I, I read some about, um, and it's called "The China Nightmare: The Grand Ambitions of a Decaying State." Um, it is by a guy named Dan Blumenthal, and um, and what what he talks about is that is essentially China is hamstrung by the reality of its own flaws. And those flaws are a slowing economy, few friends abroad, and domestic insecurity. And so he talks about China uh, in, 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 in the way people see it, right? The first way people see it is that it's 10 feet tall and a great power competition is, is the number one priority, and that's the only way they see it. Uh, the second way people see it is others describe China as serious with serious internal problems and they they are a bit of a quote unquote flash in the pan, so you can deal with them, and, and and as we deal with them, we will exploit them, and they will fade and wind up on history's ash heap. The third way, which is what this guy believes, is China is both weak and dangerous, and so what we have to do is um, is in concert with our allies, create uh, buttress our our financial system buttress our military to make it so expensive for them to have to spend internationally that they will risk their own regime because they they won't have the funds to do what they need to do domestically to maintain the peace and then also internationally to bend to the world to China's will and that if we do that then China will fall on the ash heap of history so anyway so I'm reading that all right boys uh, any final comments before we say good night Good. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we certainly appreciate your input, and uh, have a great week. All right. You too, Mac. Thanks, Mac. All right. Bye. More of All Ring Radio coming up next, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network.